Look what God has done right here with you guys. And I can't, I mean, I sit in awe of what God is building in Delaware. You can go ahead and have your seats. It's a real privilege and honor to be with you today. Um, how many of you know it's very easy to be a cheerleader for Michael and Amanda? You guys have great pastors. Don't you want to show them some love? Uh, awesome people. Um, yes, and, and I love his sense of humor. <laughs> and uh, it, it's such a privilege to be here. Let me explain the strange accent you hear. I was actually born in Trinidad. Um, some of you know it as Trinidad and Tobago. Um, but I've lived and uh, become a citizen of the U.S. since about 1984. I've been here a while, married to a beautiful, passionate Puerto Rican from New York. And have two awesome, yeah, Boricua. There you go. <laughs> and have two awesome boys. And um, so, if you would, um, there's, there's a real cool thing to know about the Trinidadian accent. You see, CNN actually did an international poll. And in doing that poll, they discovered that Trinidad was voted amongst the world as guys who have the sexiest accent in the world. <laughs> just just got to say it, okay? So, <laughs> that and a dollar would not even get you a cup of coffee, but it's something that uh, <laughs> I readily share. But this morning, we're going to have the privilege of kicking off a series called Doors. And um, I really, really, really believe that everything God does is just in time for our life. How many of you agree with that? You know, true life, I, I really do believe that God knows exactly where you are, and he knows, um, and he has a very incredible plan for your life. But before we get into the Word, why don't we open our hearts, and just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us the message that he's crafted just for us. Amen? Father, we just thank you. God, what a privilege it is to, to get to speak on your behalf. And Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you are such a good God to all of us. Holy Spirit, I now yield to you. There is no greater teacher than you. Would you bring the word to our life and make it alive, and that it will produce the fruit that you sent it to. We love you. Thank you for being with us today. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. amen. Here we go. So what are doors? Well, um, of course, they represent those places that serve as exits and entrances, right? At our homes, at our businesses, at our organizations, but they also figuratively serve as transition points in our life. They stand between where you are today and where you want to be tomorrow. And so no matter where you are in life, we all go through seasons of transition. We all have these doors that we must step into. And in some cases, they represent your path to just a great future. In some cases, they could represent actually a prison of your own making. You know, the other day I heard the story of this young mom who was at work. She gets the frantic call from the babysitter that her young baby at home was ill. And so what she does, she quickly leaves everything. She runs to the pharmacy to get some, some drugs, and uh, she heads home but as she gets to her car, she realizes something. In her haste, she locked her keys inside the ignition. And she couldn't get in. And so now she's scared. How am I going to get home? How am I going to take this, you know, this medicine to my baby? 
So she calls the babysitter. She goes, look, I'm going to be a little delayed, but I'm trying. I locked the keys in my car. I don't know what to do. And uh, she says, why don't you look for like a rusty coat hanger or something? Because supposedly if you have a coat hanger, you could unlock your door. That's all she knew. (laughs) Unfortunately, this little mom had never done that before. Unbeknownst to her, she looks around. She sees a coat hanger. So it appears somebody else had the same problem. So she picks it up, and then she realizes, I don't know what to do. So she begins to pray, God, I don't know what to do. I have a coat hanger. I don't know how to use it to get inside my locked door. She goes, God, would you send me help? Not two minutes after that, this real rough, rugged guy pulls up on a motorcycle. Not the kind of guy you want to take home to meet mom, you know what I mean? And he's like, hey, hey, could I help you? She goes, I locked my keys in my door. My baby is sick. I'm trying to get home. He goes, let me get it. Within 30 seconds, he had the car unlocked. And she was like, oh, my gosh, thank you. You're such a nice man. And he goes, ma'am, I'm I'm not nice. I actually just got out of prison for car theft. And she hugs him again. She goes, oh, God, thank you. You sent a professional. (laughs) God somehow knows how to send exactly what we need to help us to get through our doors in life. But here's the question, the million-dollar question. How do I know if this door of opportunity before me is a God-ordained door, or is it a prison of my own making that I'm about to step into? How do I know if this guy or girl is going to be represent a beautiful lifelong relationship or it's going to be the, my nightmare waiting to happen? How do I know if this next job I'm supposed to take is supposed to be the right one for my life or I'm going to be laid off not long after this and I'm going to start all over again? How do I know if this is what's God's best for me or is this something I've been pursuing on my own? Is it something I should go for or something I should absolutely avoid? In Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and verse 8, I believe it's going to be projected for you. Beautiful. The Bible says, write to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. It's not the same Philadelphia. That's next door. It's a different city. The holy one, the true one, the one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will close, and closes and no one opens, says, I know your works because you have limited strength. I've kept my word and have not denied my name. Look. I have placed before you an open door that no one is able to close. See, let me set you at ease. God says, I know your works. In other words, I know everything about you, the good, the bad, and also the ugly. And in spite of all of that, I want you to know I'm the one that opens doors. And the doors that I have set to open for your life, no one can close. And the doors that I have shut, no one could open it. You know, some of us might be sitting here today and think, you know, God, I've disqualified myself from entering into that door that I thought you had for me. He's saying, hey, you're my son, you're my daughter. If I have a door for you, you're never disqualified from entering into it. No one could stop it. No hell could shut you out. No man could keep you from it. 
not even your stupid mistakes. As long as you return to me, repent, get back on track, let me tell you, the door that God has for you is still for you. There's hope today. God says, when he opens a door, no one can shut it. And no one means no one. God wants us to know he's for us. And he actually reminds us, he said, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, in Psalm 139, verse 16, he said, you know, I was there. I, I wrote the details of your life even back then. And you think, but God, you know, I've made so many mistakes. You know, I've, I've gone off track. Um, you know, gosh, I had that great opportunity and I blew it. He reminds us. He says, my purposes for you were written long ago. When I opened a door, no one could shut it. I want you to have hope this morning. If you found yourself off course, I want you to know you could get back on track with what God has for your life. And at the same time, I want you to know no one is holding the key to your future but the Lord. Okay? Are you with me? Okay. Let's go on. The Apostle Paul spoke of an open door that was open for him in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 12. He said, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, the Lord opened a door for me. You see, here's what the Apostle Paul understood. God is the God who opens doors. He's not only the God who opens just general doors. He opens doors that's meant for you. And when he opens it, nobody else could close it. And the doors God opens to our lives represent seasons of new beginnings. They represent blessings. They represent new opportunities that he has for your life. And today, I want to lay out some very practical steps in how do we enter into those God doors for our life. How do we enter into those God opportunities for our life? I don't want to make it as simple as possible. So, if you would follow along with me, I have three very simple points. And if you have a pen today, I want you to write them down. Because here's what happens. It's not enough to hear the word. I want to encourage you to take it. And when you go home, reflect on it and say, God, what does this mean for me where I am today? Amen? Okay. So, first point is simply this. God invites us to ask, to seek and to knock. He invites us to ask, to seek, and to knock. Luke chapter 9, 11 verse 9 says, so I say to you, keep asking, and it will be given to you. Keep searching, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be opened to you. Somehow our kids get the asking really well, because they ask, and keep asking, and keep asking, and keep asking, right? You know what? They represent for us that childlike faith. They have an expectation, and if they ask, you will respond. And that's what God invites us to do. Approach Him with an ask, knowing that He will respond as a good Father towards us. Notice, there seems to be a structure here. There seems to be an implied progression here. To ask, to seek, and to knock. Ask, seek, 
and to knock. Notice it's not just a one-time ask. It's not a one-time seek. It's not a one-time knock. It's to ask and keep asking. It's to seek and keep seeking. It's to knock and keep knocking. What's implied in that? It's an ongoing conversation. What's implied in that? It's a relationship between you and the one to whom you're asking, you're seeking, and you're knocking. See, ultimately, that's what God is after. That we will ask and keep on asking. Seek him and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And I believe that there's a progression here implied. Very different to the warning you hear when you get on a plane. Right? They talk about the smoke. How many of you ever hit a plane? You've been on an airplane? It's not just me? Is it just, is it just two of us? Okay. For the rest of you who have never been on an airplane, <laughs> they usually give these instructions. And I know what happens. You kind of tune it out. Right? It says it's a federal regulation not to tamper, disable, or destroy the smoke detectors. Something like that, right? You know this. You ever thought about that? Why tamper, disable, and destroy? Is it possible to destroy it without disabling it? Is it possible to destroy it or to tamper with it without disabling it? How does that work? You see, that was written by a good lawyer. Because in the West, we figured out, if we don't say it exactly this way, we'll find another angle to approach it. So, sorry, Judge, um, I I tampered with it. Didn't disable it. I was tampering. So good lawyers now have to say, well, we need to include all three words, right? Because we find angles of attack. But here's the thing with God. With God, you don't have to find angles of attack attack. What God says, he means. What he says, he means, and he stands behind his word. So he tells us to ask and keep on asking, and he draws us closer. And that is an asking that's not just asking amiss. God, give me a Lamborghini. God, I want to be a rock star. Or, you you know, you, I travel overseas a lot. God, I want to I want to marry an American. I want to go to America. Are you learning English? No. Are you trying? No. You know, it just doesn't make any, you know, just asking amiss. And when the Bible talks about we don't get anything because we ask amiss, it's because we ask it because we're trying to build a kingdom of our own making. But God wants us to ask because we want to see God's kingdom built in our life. Ask and keep on asking. Ask, and that's a faith-filled asking. Seek, it's an honest seeking. It's an honest inquiry of God. To say, God, you know me better than I know myself. You know all of my great strengths, and you also know my issues. And as I seek you, God, God, would you manifest in me and through me exactly what I need for the next season in my life? It's an honest seeking. It's an honest seeking. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 6, he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Yes. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. And then knock. It's a persistent knocking. Knock and keep on knocking. And that knocking is an alert availability to say, God, I'm here. I'm ready for what you have for me. And by the way, that's the only thing I desire. God, I think I have some ideas. 
but I'm willing to render myself naive to think that perhaps your thoughts are higher than my thoughts and your ways are higher than my ways. God, I prefer your doors over the ones of my making. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And Jesus, in a way to explain this even further, because Jesus wants us to be clear on understanding his will and his ways for our life. He explains in Luke chapter 11, he says, suppose one of you had a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine on the journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then you will answer from inside and say, hey, don't bother me. The door is already locked. And my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give anything because he's his friend, yet because of his friend's persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be open to you. Did you notice when this is happening? Verse 5 tells us, at the midnight hour. Have you ever found yourself at a midnight hour in your life? Where it feels like the day is gone and you've been asking God and you've been pleading with God and you've been begging him to give you an answer. He's saying, even when it feels like it's too late for you, it's not too late for him. Even when it feels like the day is gone, that the opportunity has gone past you. He says, hey, it may be your midnight, but it's my daybreak. God still answers. And he answers because, one, he's your friend. Secondly, because of the persistent knocking. Ask, keep on asking. Seek, keep on seeking. Knock, keep on knocking. I want you to know within each one of us is this inborn drive to get ahead, to do better. You know, ambition is not a bad thing. And so sometimes we tend to adopt cliches from our culture and from the world. And actually, some of us will actually suggest. And not in the Bible. I'll tell you one of those. I heard a guy once say to me at church, doesn't the Bible say that God helps those who help themselves? I said, I don't think so. He goes, yeah. My grandmother told me the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. So I decided to go look. I didn't find it in the Bible. You know what I found? I found God helps those who recognize their need for him. In our self-made Western culture, we feel that we are the ones that have to make it all happen. And then God will bless it. It doesn't work like that. It is, God, your will be done in my life. God, I seek your path because I know that's the path of blessing. You see, anything other than that becomes your striving with works. What God has in mind is a grace-filled path that you and I get to walk in. Ask, keep on asking. Seek, keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Here is the big idea from today's message. You miss everything else, do not miss this. God is the one who opens the doors. Let me repeat that. God is the only one who opens the doors. He never asked you and I to do that. 
He's called us to knock. He didn't say, be a door opener. That's the role that he wants to have in the life of his kids. The only entrance to the door of destiny that God has in store for you is one where he is the one, like a gracious father and an incredible gentleman that opens it. Because here's the problem. You and I, oh, because I don't know you that well, let me speak about me. I don't have the character to walk through the doors that I want to open for myself. The doors that I may want to open, I don't think I have the character to sustain myself, Pastor Michael. I think I will do damage. But the doors that God opens for me, He has given me His strength and grace to walk through it. And so I'm very comfortable knowing me, saying, God, I need you. I need you to be the one who opens the doors in my life because I know the doors that you open represent limitless opportunities for me. And it represents a fulfilling life in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. What if you spent the next five years of your life building something only to find out after five years that it was built on sand and then it all falls away? What do you do? God doesn't want us to operate like that. So no, let me open the doors for you. Because not only would you find my blessing, I will be the one who finishes what I begin. You get that? God knows how to watch over the things that he has provided for you in your life. Since point number one went over so very well, <laughs> let's move to point number two. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. And then what happens next after I knock? What happens next, David? Here it is. Number two, wait upon him. Excuse me? Wait upon him? That's what I've been doing these last few years. Oh, yeah. Now is the time to wait upon him. Wait upon him. Wait upon the one who wants to open the doors. I remember when Joshua, my firstborn, was turning three years old. Man, I've been waiting on this day for so long. And so we saved up our money. I wanted to get him one of those riding red cars that he could drive around in. And I'm thinking, boy, he's going to be so surprised. He loved playing in the garage where we parked our car, you know. So, so this day, just before his birthday, man, I got this thing all wrapped up. Nice, beautiful board, and I can't wait for tomorrow to come with Joshua to open that gift. But Joshua comes to me, and then he goes, Dad, I want to play in the garage. And I'm like, we can't play in the garage today. I want to play in the garage. Mm, let's, let's do something else. Let's go over here. No, I want to play in the garage. I want to play in the garage. I want to play in the garage. And then the words came out of his mouth. You're a mean father. I almost passed out. I'm like, oh my God. I'm a mean father? I turned to my wife, where did he hear that? Dora the Explorer. Oh, really? And here's the thing. He accused me of being mean because he didn't understand my intention was to have a beautiful surprise for him the next day. 
And sometimes we're waiting upon God and we're waiting upon God. And we say, God, why haven't you responded yet? God, I've just turned 21. I'm not even engaged. Really? God is not a mean father. He's a good daddy. And he has great things in store for you. Let me tell you, God loves zeal. But he wants you to be mature enough to steward what he has in store for your life. So wait upon him. He has a beautiful gift ready. Because you've been asking. You've been seeking his will. You've been knocking. He has it. All he says is, hey, now wait upon me. Because here's the beautiful thing that happens during this time. It is in this time that God begins to build certain things in your life. Things like self-control. In our microwave society, we've lost that. Things like self-control. Things like an unconditional trust in Him. God, I think I know what I want, but I realize from Your Word that Your ways are higher than my ways and Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. God, I want Your thoughts. I'm going to trust You. In this time, this is what grows in your life. What grows in your life is submission to his lordship, to his authority. They say, God, you are my king, you are my lord, and you alone will I serve. What grows in your life is a disciplined imagination, not one that is all crazy, thinking it's all about you. No, it's not. It's all about him. An identity that is unshakable in him. God doesn't want your identity to be wrapped up in stuff, in opportunities, or in circumstances, in a job, or in a, in a person. Your identity is in Him. Your identity, you're a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And in this time, He wants you to develop this unshakable understanding that your identity is in Him and a radical obedience to His voice. Because here's the thing. These things are not given to you. See, we live in a society where you, you actually trade products and services. These aren't like that. You can't win the lottery, get enough money, and go buy those characteristics. These things are only grown on the inside. And they grow in the time of waiting. And God is trying to develop these things in you so that you can steward the opportunities well when that door swings open. Do you know Joseph had a dream, and he dreamt that he will be leading his family. It was 20 years before that came to pass. Sarah, who was married to Abram, when God said, I'm going to change your name to Abram, I'm going to give you a son. You're going to, be, you're going to have incredible kids and grandchildren and a generation. Sarah waited 25 years before she had a son from the time she heard that promise. Moses he was born with this. He knew that he was supposed to protect and to, to, to help his people. And he did it in his own strength. What happened? He killed a guy and he had to run for his life. It took him 40 years before he would get that burning bush experience. And hear God's call to be the deliverer for his people. There's some other people like Paul. Do you know when Paul on the road to Damascus had that encounter with Jesus? Do you know how, how much time it took for him before the church actually, the other apostles actually commissioned him? It was 10 years. Now, here's how online things. Oh my gosh, he had an incredible experience with Jesus. He was blind. He's now seeing. He heard God's voice. He should be preaching tomorrow. No, it doesn't work like that. God wants to prepare you. 
had to take the pole out of Paul so that he could say and look to Jesus for what he had in store for him. There was a young couple who came to my office one day said we felt we were supposed to plant a church. That didn't happen in my office. That happened way before in their hearts. And along the way, God will take them through times of difficulty and testing and learning. Go serve somebody. Go serve another campus. Go serve, be missionaries to Georgia. That wasn't easy. It's a little tongue-in-cheek when he said that. That was hard. But along the way, he trusted God that the dream that God placed, when that door of opportunity came, that no man will open it. God will open it in true life because in his heart, I believe, God put a dream Michael and Amanda's heart, and you were on the other side of that dream. Not just you, your families. And many more families that will fill this place and other places in Delaware. Why? Because the kingdom of God matters. People are lost and dying and going to a lifeless eternity. And this message matters. People want life. And I thank God. Yes, that's worth clapping. And I thank God that he uses regular people like Michael and Amanda. To say, God, we will ask, seek, and knock, but we will wait upon you. Now, I'm not just talking about resigning yourself to a delayed response because you can't do anything about it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a posture that says, God, I'm alert and I'm available and I'm ready to walk where you have me to walk. And by the way, let me just give you a disclaimer. You're not too old to step into the doors God has for you. You're not, you haven't messed up so badly that you can't finish the plan that he's written for your life. If you find yourself, you've taken a door, maybe you found a door of temptation and you got distracted there. I want you to know God is calling you back to get back on track today. You know what he says? He says, even in your temptation, I will give you a way of escape. You know what it is? It's a door. Say, come back. All hope isn't lost. Return to me. Let me Finish what I've started in your life. He is able to complete beautifully what he begins. And finally, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. Also, remember to wait upon him. Finally, follow his leads. One of the greatest benefits of waiting upon God is that you get and develop this acute sense of his voice. When you still all the other noise around you, noises of opportunities, noises of distraction, noises of your own making, then you hear his voice. And when you hear his voice, follow him. Follow his word. His will and his word don't contradict each other. But also, follow the prompting that the Holy Spirit will place in your heart. And sometimes he will give you these thoughts that you're like, I don't know where that came from. But it came from him. And he will lace that with a place of peace or perhaps a person of peace that may come and say, I, 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 let me tell you, I affirm what God is saying to you. Follow his lead. You know, I am unfortunately directionally challenged. You probably say, well, most men are. <laughs> I, I have... A real problem with it. I remember visiting the compact center where, you know, Lakewood Church. I got to, to um, 
see it backstage. I was so tickled. And I was actually in a hotel right next to Lakewood, right next to the compact center. The problem is I didn't know how to get from there to the compact center. So here's how my little mind goes. I'm going to order a taxi. And so the taxi driver came, picked me up at the front of the hotel, drove around the building, and dropped me at the door. $10 later, when I could have simply asked and walk across the covered pathway. Okay? Talk about directionally challenged. How do you get lost in a parking lot? All right? And the thing is, is that I know, see, but here's what this issue has taught me, that I can trust my own guidance system. When it comes to matters of life, I don't have to. I'm, I'm already convinced I can't do it practically. God, thank you um, for the revelation that I got to trust you anyway. Um, the thing is, is that God wants to lead you. And he leads you forward into places of peace. And this is the part where you and I, we can get very frustrated. And if you would just think for a minute, God is a good father. I have two sons. The last thing I want to do is frustrate them. The last thing I want to do is to confuse them. And saying, Dad, you know, we want to know what's the right thing to do. And I'll sit back and just say, mm, knock your heads a few times, see if you figure it out. Which dad will do that? No. God isn't like that. He wants to lead. He wants to guide you. And he does every time. And he wants to invite us to submit even those times that are painful and are uncomfortable. To say, God, in spite of what's going on, I trust and I know that you're leading me into the path that you have for my life. You know, there are some times when we could be fooled and think that God's path is pain-free. So we're experiencing some discomfort, right? And we think, well, that can be God. Let me tell you, sometimes God's best path for your life may bring pain with it. It may not be pain-free, but it is promise-filled. It may not be painless, but it is full of his presence during that time. And as you seek him, and as you sense what he's doing, you know there's something bigger happening here. And God wants you to trust that so that you will follow him. I can't tell you the stories and the miracles that have happened in my life that were wrought with pain and discomfort. But along the way, I saw and experienced some incredible moves of God that were way bigger than my job description because God wants us to follow him. It happens in our life. It happened in the Apostle Paul's life in Acts chapter 18. Do you know in Acts chapter 18, Paul leaves Athens and goes to Corinth because he felt a door of opportunity from God was open for him to preach. And he goes there and he decides, you know, the way Paul operated, he likes setting up his tent business. So he gets the URL, tentsbypaul.com. You know, he starts building his tents, taking care of his living expenses so that he could preach the gospel. Guess what happens when Paul enters that door of opportunity? All of a sudden, the Jews around him begin to protest. Who in the world is this stranger? Who told him he could come up in here and preach? 
What's up with Paul? And Paul got so indignant. He got so mad. Wait a minute. I thought this was a God opportunity, but everybody hates me. What's up with that? He got so mad, he tore his clothes and he goes, you know what? Your blood is on your own head. And he's ready to pull up his proverbial tent stakes and move to the next city. And that night, God sends to him a person of peace called Justice, who actually his name means righteousness. He reminds him, in my opinion, that Paul, the work that I've called you to do is the right work. It's a righteous work. And he allows him to move in and he, you know, Paul starts ministering in and God gives him a vision in the middle of the night. And I want to read that to you in Acts chapter 18. Then the Lord said to Paul in the night vision, do not be afraid, but keep on speaking and don't be silent. For I am with you and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you because I have many people in this city. And he stayed there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. The only thing that changed was God's reminder to Paul that he was with him. How about you? There are times where you think God has given you an opportunity to go share the good news with a friend and they turn around and they curse you and call you strange names. And you say, God, I thought I was doing something that you put before me. What's up with that? And then God's voice reminds you, hey, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. It's okay. Or you thought you were supposed to do this great deed for your neighbor. You really feel inspired. Man, I'm supposed to do this thing. And all of a sudden, hell breaks loose. Or you feel you're supposed to lead a group in church or do something and nobody seems to be helping. If the God of heaven is the one that prompted you, stick with it. Don't stop going through the door. Look at what Paul was reminded. He said, I am with you. God reminds him of his presence. Don't be afraid. Speak. He reminds him of his protection. He says, no one will lay a hand on you. But you know what else he reminds him of? His purpose. He said, I have many people in this city. And Paul decided, I'm going to follow your lead, God. I'm going to follow you. And there were people in that city that got one to the kingdom of God because Paul obeyed. Guys, God has an incredible plan for your life. That's not a cliche. It's just not a nice thing to say at church on Sunday. It's real. He knows exactly where you are. Your waiting has not been wasted. Your difficulty has not been because he doesn't care. He's building you up. And he's setting doors of opportunity before you so that you could serve him and so that you could enter into and change your world through his strength. Ask, seek, knock, wait upon him and follow his lead. He would not abandon you. He will protect you. He will be with you. And he will ensure that your purpose is fulfilled. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, for doors that you set before us. I thank you, God, that you remind us, God, that your plan for our life is a good one. It's a hopeful one. There's a future in store. And that you are the only one who opens doors and not a man could shut it. And God, first, God, I want to pray for those 
who feel in their heart right now they may have missed you. And God, I could just hear your voice inviting them to get back on track. Maybe they've taken a door of temptation or got lost in a door of their own pursuit. And God, I just hear the gentle voice of your Holy Spirit. Come back. Get on track. It's not over. God, I just pray that you will build your people up and set them free to follow your purpose. But perhaps you're here today and maybe you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ because this entire message about God's calling and asking is actually, I forgot to mention one thing. It begins by entering into heaven's door. Heaven's door is a person by the name of Jesus. He said, behold, I stand at the door and he's the one knocking this time. And he said, there's one door you have to open. And it's that door for him to come into your life and for you to enter into a relationship with him. God has given you the beautiful gift of choice today. But he's knocking. Jesus said, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into this life with the Father but through him. There's only one door. If today you have not began a relationship with Jesus. You never open the door of your heart and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I want to walk with you. I want your path for my life. God, I want to turn from my ways and go towards you. If you've never honestly made that decision, you've never given God a complete surrender of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today before you leave. And I actually want to lead you in a very simple prayer. But if you're here, I want to know who I'm praying with by simply asking that you would slip a hand up with all eyes closed just so that I could see. If you're saying, David, I want to open the door to my heart so that Jesus could come in and I could have a true relationship with him on a count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Would you do it now? Yes, yes, yes. Beautiful. Awesome. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. It's incredible. Awesome, awesome, awesome. If you could put your hands down, I want to ask us all to stand. I want to lead us in a prayer together. And by the way, I want to extend this prayer for some of you who may have once walked with God and you find yourself so far away from the path for your life. And you said, David, I want to return today. I want to give my life back to God. I want to take the reins and the keys of the doors and hand it back into the hands of Jesus. If that's you, I want to include you in this prayer of restoration. If you are giving your life to Jesus, would you say this prayer along with me? But here's the thing. There's no magic in the words. But God is here and it needs to come from your heart to His. That's all He asks. If you would confess with your mouth and believe and trust Him with your heart, He said you will be saved. So let's say this together. Mean it from the bottom of our hearts. Can we do that? Dear God, I thank you for your love for me. I want to hear you. I thank you for your love for me. Yes. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for my sin and rose from the dead. Today, I open the door of my heart to you. 
God, I want to have a relationship with you.